Hey guys, just a quick note before we start today's show. I was in a new recording place, which uh, did not have as good Wi-Fi as it turned out. So you may hear some glitch noises when Chris is talking on the show. Um, that's because of my Wi-Fi. And you also may hear a couple of words here and there um, on my microphone cut out. I haven't actually edited the show yet, so I'm not sure how bad it is. But Chris seemed to say it wasn't that bad in terms of cutting out and stuff. So I apologize for that. Sound quality when it's not glitching should be good as always. And this is a really fun show that we had today. Both Chris and I had a ton of fun on today's show. So I advise you continue listening. I apologize for the sound, but it should be fine to listen to. So uh, on with the show. your host back here with your co-host Chris the fantasy expert and in today's show we'll be discussing fantasy football sleepers in 2021 guys that have the potential to help you win your fantasy league guys that could break out who are going near the end the backs of your fantasy football drafts these guys aren't necessarily meant to be like surefire picks that will definitely break out in fact they're sort of not really meant to be that at all these guys though they're going late for a reason they have a lot of question marks surrounding them but we believe in their talent. We believe in their situations. The guys that we put on these lists, we think have a solid chance, a better chance to break out than what the consensus says. And these guys, when they're practically free, when they're practically just available at the end of your draft at no cost, it's great to take shots on them because these are the guys who can help you win your fantasy league. The early round players, if you pick the right ones, you won't lose your fantasy league, but the way you win is by getting those breakouts and getting that extra edge on your opponent's Uh, We'll also be talking some news at the beginning of the show. We'll be doing our first bold takes segment where we record bold takes to play back at the end of the season, which is going to be super, super fun. And then at the end of the show, we're bringing back a segment that we did once and just, uh, I do apologize, but we retired it without any word, uh, any word about the segment. We never talked about it again. And I had just completely forgotten about it. Like literally forgotten that it existed. The two minute drill segment will be coming back at the end of the show. Uh, if you don't know what that is, wait till the end of the show to find out. I'll explain it then. But it's basically, I, I guess I'll just say now, it's basically where we discuss a player for two minutes and their potential fantasy value and go deeply into just one specific player. So I talked a mm-hmm. lot at the beginning of the show, and it's episode 75. Really excited. Chris is back. And uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on this episode? I think we're both really excited for this one uh, in particular. Yeah, definitely. Episode 75 is huge. We're three quarters of the way to 100. And, uh, I mean, we're doing a lot of fun things. We're kind of giving you guys a, a little sneak preview of what, how fun our episodes are going to be moving forward from 75 all the way to 100 and beyond. We're going to be adding back the two-minute drill, doing some bold takes, some positional previews. And these are players that are going to win you your league. So uh, definitely good to take shots on. And this is the episode that you want to be listening to and content that you need because it's, this is what's the difference between a team that, uh, that comes top four in their fantasy league and the team that wins it all because you have to hit on some sleepers. And so that's what we'll be taking the good look at today because they're, I think, arguably the most important piece to a fantasy team. Yeah, you got to go get your guys at the end of drafts. And a lot of these guys, like some of these guys are going a little bit earlier, maybe in like the 10th rounds, 11th round of your fantasy draft. Some of them going in the last round or maybe not being drafted at all. So there are guys uh, like one of the phrases I've been noticing myself use recently is like, these guys are practically free. They're practically like you can get them for free 
And I use that a lot when talking about deep sleepers. And it's just that those are the guys that you have to go get. Like when they're just available for you, like if you want them, you can have them. Those are the guys you have to make sure to go grab before they break out. You just want to stash them on your team. You might have to wait out a few weeks of rough, rough and tumble and like guys who are not really breaking out right when you want them to. But um, I mean, and there's obviously a certain point when you have to go drop those guys, but I mean, they're at the end of the drafts for a reason is that they're not like necessarily a sure thing at all. And sometimes they take a little while to break out, but if we can hit on a few of these for you guys, that'll be huge. And if you take a few of these guys who hit, that'll be huge for your team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just before this, Kevin and I we were talking about SFB and uh, just going through this, it makes me realize that I need to be targeting these guys in drafts because in a league that's as big as one, like the Scott Fishbowl, which Kevin and I, if you haven't heard, both invited to it's over almost 2000 players beating in it this year. The difference maker is going to be getting your guys and getting some sleepers to break out. So as I'm going through, I'm kind of making my list of guys that I need to be targeting in the draft because I mean, if you can just hit on a few guys, if you hit on an Antonio Gibson, a top 13 RB getting him in, like I saw someone got him in the 14th round last year and he ended up really helping them do well. That's going to make the difference in your league. So, uh, definitely super important and that's what you got to be looking out for i mean these guys are real league changers so it's really important to talk about them and uh i think we've got some good ones yeah and then the scott fishbowl is like i've we've mentioned has celebrities has big like matthew barry plays in it basically every fantasy analyst you could imagine chris and i got our divisions conference five division rem is where i am so just if you want to go to the find that you can go to scottfishbowl.com slash 2021 slash divisions you can go check out who's in my division and if you're in my division i mean good luck but you're also just gonna lose i'm sorry like it kind of stinks because like if you were in a different conference like there's 20 conferences you had like a five percent chance to be in my conference and you are and you're also in my division so you're not gonna get to the finals like it's just guaranteed at this point so I just feel so bad. And same with Chris, like your guys in conference 19, Dave Matthews band division, like it stinks for them because they literally have no chance. Like at least the mm-hmm. other people can get into the finals before they lose to us. Yeah. This is a little sneak peek <laughs> of how Calvin and I cut sometimes converse with each other. It's a little bit of, Oh yeah. You know, I'm so sorry for the other teams, you know, that they have to face us, but uh, there's a lot of really good competition. Calvin and I know, I mean, we've both been invited to these massive group chats for like our, our division spots, the, like the nine and the 10. And I mean, those things are flooded with info, ADP spreadsheets, mock drafts. I it's, mean, it's insane. You stuff. can scare just about anything. And, and <laughs> they seem to have it. Everyone's using all these fancy tools. And uh, a lot of it is to predict, predict these kind of guys that we're talking about on this show, because like I said, if you hit on those, those can be league winners. And so, I mean, I think that Calvin and I have the tools to be able to do it. We've got our guys. We've got a lot of info to back it up. And uh, I think we're pretty educated, especially this year, moving into our second year of the podcast. Uh, I think that we're, we're, we have the ability to do well, but mm-hmm. it's a tough competition. I mean, there are a lot of players. So if I can make it out of my division, I'd be elated. But uh, my dream is to go pretty far and get through my conference and, you know, maybe by some chance get even farther. But yeah definitely a fun opportunity and I hope I do well it would be a little bit disappointing but I think I'll I think we should be back next year so you know mm-hmm. right yeah I mean I don't know if it's the invites don't tend to be performance-based it just tends to be on how much you're involved in the community but you know you don't want to get that invite be super grateful and then go to an 11 like that's not that that's not mm-hmm. doesn't look yeah too great. And we got to grow this show and this is a good way to do it so mm-hmm. 
All right, if you want to sign up, by the way, if you're a fan or an analyst and you're like, how do I get in? Scottfishbowl.com slash 2021 slash sign up. Unfortunately, very few entries left. Like 87% um, of spots are now filled, but there are still contests you can enter. If you search the hashtag SFB11 on Twitter, you can find all sorts of contests. And this league is a third of it is fans. It's not just an analyst league. You can enter. If you're just an ordinary person who wants to enter this league and play with like people you admire, you can do that. Just sign up. You're probably not likely to get in this year because there's a lot of, most of the invites are filled up, but next year, I mean, the league tends to expand most years could end up being over 2000 teams next year. I have no idea. So, and even if it isn't, there's still plenty of spots available. Like, this year, how many fans would there be with 1,920 teams? Is that 640 fans? I think that mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Yeah, I think if, uh, if we've got our math skills tuned on, but we're out of school. So I, I'm not 100% sure, but mm-hmm. that sounds about right. Yeah, All right. so I mean, definitely go give it a shot. Yeah. No, and I, I mean, of course, I guess last week we told uh, our listeners to request the um, – if they wanted to, if you guys wanted to, you could have requested our divisions. And unfortunately – they are requested to play with us because there's like a slot with that. Like who you want, who do you want to play with? Unfortunately, our divisions filled up pretty quick, so there are no longer requests are no longer available. But you can still play in it, and maybe you'll face us, and like maybe you'll be in the same conference, or maybe you'll see us in the finals. Who knows? Mm-hmm. All right. So let's move on. We got one piece of news before we get into the bold takes. And again, the bold takes are going to be, I think this might be the most fun thing we've ever done on the show. We're going to have 10 bold takes over the next 10 episodes. We're going to record them. We're going to go over them at the beginning of the season. And then at the end of the season, we're going to play back all of the recordings of us talking about our bold takes and see if we were right. If we were wrong, it'll be funny to laugh at. If we were right, it'll be amazing to hear how smart we were back in June, July, or August. Mm-hmm. Yep. But news before we start off, head coach of the Vikings, Mike Zimmer, says tight end Irv Smith's role will not grow in 2021, something you don't hear often from a coach who talks down the potential of a second-year breakout for one of his offensive – or third-year breakout from one of his offensive skill position players. One guy who was taken in the the first round of the draft a few years ago, he was talking about how, like, Tyler Conklin's role was expected to grow, but he kind of dismissed the notion that Irv Smith might see an increase in targets or anything. Like, you always want to be careful of coach speak in June, but this is, like, this is a different situation. This is a – we don't hear coaches say this this off, that often. So it's really, really concerning to me for Irv Smith's fantasy value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's not normal for a coach to, coach to talk down on a player. I mean, even if you're not with how he's been performing or practicing, you normally want to keep that to yourself. But to come out and say it, definitely concerning. But I'm not giving up on Irv Smith. I really liked him before this comment. Definitely doled my hopes. But uh, I I don't think that you should be giving up on him yet because he showed a lot of flashes of talent. So this could be just more of a motivational thing, like a, a coach that wants to see more out of his player. And maybe he could take it the right way. I mean, obviously, he could also go the wrong way. So there's definitely a little bit more risk now. And uh, I think they're... This one of the most exciting things about Irv Smith was that there was a pretty safe floor, but a good amount of upside. Now I feel like his floor isn't as safe just because of these comments, but uh, I'm still really excited because he has a ton of upside. I mean, I don't know if his floor isn't as safe. I just feel like that's his ceiling because it's like his role won't grow. It's not going to be, he's not going to vault into that like superstar tight end role. That's what's concerning for me. I was never an Irv Smith guy to begin with. I'm just, I would, if I had to give you the advice now, I'd just say, I'm definitely on the avoid side. I wouldn't like drafting him. There's other guys you can get later at tight end, a couple of which I'll talk about later in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
All right, so let's get into the bold takes. So, Chris, you got to sound smart on these because we are playing back the uh, the live recordings, and I've got to sound smart as well. No, no fumbling words allowed, or else you'll sound stupid. Well, no, just kidding. Mm-hmm. I mean, it all really depends on what take is correct. These takes, we were trying to debate back and forth about whether we should have them exactly abide by our rankings. Like, maybe we just decided... Like, oh, this is close, but I think it could happen. But I don't think that's that fun because then it's going to be like we might not get that very many correct. And then we're also just like at the end, well, I didn't actually rank it like this. So that just doesn't sound as fun. Would, uh, would hmm. you agree, Chris? Yep. So, yeah, we're just going to we're going to do it completely based on our rankings. And this one, we're starting off with a really bold one. This might be Chris's in- most bold take there is compared to the consensus. And so, Chris, why don't you kick it off? The recording begins. Uh that we're going to play back right now. Okay, here we go. My bold take is that Jameis Winston will be a top eight quarterback. And I guess I should go for some reasoning. It's kind of nerve wracking. Uh, we'll be looking back <laughs> at this in time. And this is uh, my, this is my big bold take. I got to give some good information. I wasn't this fully prepared out. We're to not do editing this. this out for later. <laughs> yes, I know. I'm looking back on this high future self. Uh, I really hope I'm not wrong here or that case will become the starter. But I really like James Winston. He has a, a ton of options uh, in the passing game, which he really didn't have. Or, well, he uh, did have them in Tampa, but I really feel like the one thing he was missing was that check down option. And that's Alvin Kamara, which I mean, having that type of running back, it really allows James Winston to open open himself up, but still have a, a much better option if things fail. Because one, of, I think one of the biggest problems with him was he always tried to make a big play happen. And uh, kind of similar to Daniel Jones, he struggled a lot because he would just loft the ball downfield or something instead of making this smart play. And I think a lot of that was due to the fact that he had Ronald Jones as his number one RB. And we've seen year after year that Ronald Jones is not that strong of an RB, uh, as a pa- at least as a pass catcher. And so I think that that upgrade to Alvin Kamara is going to help him. The coaching staff, I'm sure, is going to be all over him on making sure he's checking down because they know what they've got in, in Kamara. So, I mean, yeah, I'm just really excited. I think there's a ton of potential here. Michael Thomas, uh, as his number one receiver, is incredible. And, uh, I mean, we were just doing a sprinkle the other day. It'll be a long time ago. We might not be even, maybe we'll still be doing sports. <laughs> the other day, the like six months ago. <laughs> yep. By the time I get to this, maybe we'll still be doing sports. But uh, if we're not, we did a sparkle the other day and uh, on our SG Sports Talk show. And we saw that Jameis Winston, I think either one or two years ago, was the two top years. quarterback in terms of yards. And he finished with a top four QB season. I expect him to return with some kind of that form. And so, I have him as a top eight QB, and I'm sticking by it, guys. It's in my rankings. QB eight, at least for now, might move up. Yeah, I mean, it's very bold because we know about are, – are we recording this too, like my response? I think we should. I think that'd be fun as well. Yeah, sure. Uh, I think, yeah, I mean, you, like you said, he was either – I think he was either QB three or QB four that year. So we know he has the potential to be really good. We just don't know whether he's going to start. Taysom Hill – is the guy who's been in New Orleans for longer. He seems to have at least some level of trust from Sean Payton, and he wasn't too bad in the games that he played in terms of winning games for his team. I mean, if Jameis plays, I would definitely probably say he should definitely be a top 12 quarterback for fantasy because while he threw 30 picks that year, he was just racking up the yards. And I think he can still – 
it, I think we'd still prefer it if he just does throw downfield a lot. But like you said, I mean, he can also get smarter and maybe eliminate those interceptions because those 30 picks, depending on your scoring, if you use minus two for interceptions, that's minus 60 points. So now that he's got that check down option, that's a little bit better for his um, – he, he'll be able to – like maybe cut down on the mistakes, but still be able to air the ball out sometimes and open up some space to air it out deep. Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. So that's uh, that's Chris's first bold take, all recorded, and here comes mine. My first bold take for 2021 fantasy football is that Calvin Ridley will be not the wide receiver three, not a top three wide receiver, not a top two wide receiver, the fantasy wide receiver one. And if this doesn't happen, I'm going to sound really stupid when you're listening to this in late December, early January. But I think Calvin Ridley will be the fantasy football wide receiver one next year. Why? Well, I'll tell you why. When Julio Jones was out, people were wondering, I mean, how good will Calvin Ridley be when Julio Jones is sitting out? In these seven games that Julio Jones has sat over the last couple of years, most of them were last year, which is why I say like when he was sitting out, people were wondering. Calvin Ridley only had one week outside of the fantasy football top 24 wide receiver finish. He was putting up numbers last year in the five games that Julio missed that were as good as anyone in football, not named Devonte Adams. And I think he can exceed Devonte Adams this year because we don't know about Aaron Rodgers. We don't know if Rodgers is going to hold out from green Bay. We don't know if he's going to be traded. We don't know if he will play. He might play, but I think as of right now, it's very, very unlikely in my eyes that Adams gets Rodgers at least for a full season or at all. It's, I don't really, th- I think Rodgers is serious this time. He's actually done with the Packers. Packers have had chances to win him back and they really haven't. So I'm really considering Devontae Adams just behind Calvin Ridley right now because we saw that Ridley has that ceiling. We've seen him catch, lo- catch lots of touchdown passes. He had 10 in his rookie year. Now he's the only wide receiver target there who's like viable. They've got Kyle Pitts at tight end, but Ridley will be the first read for the first time in his career for a full season, which hasn't really happened for him with Matt Ryan throwing to Julio Jones a lot. But with Ridley being the first read, he's proven he's a stud. He's an elite outside receiver. He has that ceiling to get a ton of yards and touchdowns, which we saw. And yeah, I mean, he has the ceiling to be the wide receiver one, and I think he will. Tyreek Hill and Calvin Ridley when you compare Calvin Ridley's production when Julio was out to Tyreek Hill's full season production, it's about the same, but I'd expect to see a little bit of regression from Hill since that was the best season of his career. Fantasy football wise, got a lot of touchdowns, stuff like that. So that can regress, but Calvin Ridley has upside in every single facet of his game. He's a dominating receiver. And I think he will be the fantasy wide receiver one in 2021. That's currently how I have it ranked. Um, I disagree with you pretty strongly here, Calvin. Uh, <laughs> I'm much more excited about Devonta Adams, and when we'll when we'll be looking back on this, uh, we'll see that, that Aaron Rodgers was the starter in Week One, and that uh, Devonta Adams just continues to prove that he's top wide receiver in the game, and he'll finish as the number one. But uh, I don't mind it. I like <laughs> Calvin Ridley going into next year, but uh, I think he'll just be more of a top five for me, uh, maybe around four or five. So I'm not onto this t- wide receiver one discussion, but uh, good luck with it, Calvin. We'll see how it turns out, but. Watch out for Devontae Adams, and uh, when we look back on this, Aaron Rodgers will still be playing for the Green Bay Packers. Ooh, okay. Yeah, this is going to be so funny to listen to at the end of the season. Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) Okay. So, yeah, I guess uh, that's probably all all of of the stuff that I'll record. So no more pressure. The pressure's off. But until now, we have to get into our sleepers, and now we have to be right about those two. So Mm -hmm. we'll start with quarterback. Uh, We got two quarterbacks, three running backs, three wide receivers, and two tight ends each. Then we got a two-minute drill to end the show. So let's get started. 
Uh, we spent a lot of time on introduction and the bold takes, as we should have. There was a lot to talk about. But, Chris, do you want to start with your – I guess your first uh, quarterback sleeper was Jameis Winston. You already kind of talked about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I did a good enough discussion on him. What do you think? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think it's going to be right. So, you need to convince me more. Yeah, but, oh, man <laughs> – that check down to Alvin Kamara and all those passing touchdowns. Michael Thomas, a receiver that even if he's a little bit inaccurate, he's just going to go up and grab it. Yeah, Ooh, I mean, I, 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 I could tell you were feeling the pressure at the start because you said Jameis Winston didn't have any weapons in Tampa Bay, and now he has a ton in New Orleans. That was kind of the opposite. It's true. Mm-hmm. But I understand what you're trying to say, and you picked it up. No, no, I'm saying weapons. he didn't have weapons as a check down option, which he does now. And I'm telling you, I mean, mm. That upgrade from Ronald Jones to Alvin Kamara, it's going to be one of the different, biggest difference makers for him. Okay. We'll see. I don't know if it actually necessarily increases or decreases his fantasy production. It might keep it about the same because it makes smarter throws, but also doesn't throw deep as much. But we'll see. Could, you could be mm-hmm. right. All right. Yep. Uh, I'm just, yeah, I'm just not totally confident in that ranking yet because of Taysom Hill. He could just be the QB 30, and you'll be like, because you declared that he was starting, so he could just be the, and then you'll have to take the blow late in the season. Let's get started. Do you mm-hmm. want me to do my first quarterback sleeper? Sure. Okay. My guy is Daniel Jones, and I raced to put him down. Chris and I raced to put down our sleepers, and the first guy I wrote down was Daniel Jones because he is going to be an absolute stud next year. The Daniel Jones-Kenny Galladay connection is going to be an Allen Diggs type of connection. Galladay will most likely be the subject of one of my future bold takes. Maybe Daniel Jones will too, Um, but Jones is just such he has a great arm he's a great arm talent and like you said Chris he struggled with decision making but near the end of last year before his injury his decision making got better he threw away passes that he might normally not throw away he became more of a game manager then he got hurt but now he has a field stretcher in Kenny Galladay he's a first round draft pick who's elite off the screen pass and Kadarius Tony two guys that can push the ball downfield for this team and Galladay is one of the best of the best in deep ball catches Daniel Jones though what was a surprising stat uncovered by next gen stats. Daniel Jones's most marked area of improvement by far from year one to year two was his deep ball passing. He ranked number one in next gen stats in terms of a, as a deep ball passer in the NFL. He Daniel Jones had a Josh Allen type of transformation in deep ball passes. And yet he still hadn't had that star wide receiver yet. He was like nine for 19 for a ton of yards, five touchdowns, no picks on deep ball passes that's incredible especially without his like star receiver now you've got arguably one of the top three best guys on the deep ball and Kenny Galladay on a four-year deal they paid him a ton he's gonna get the ball a ton and D- Jones will pepper him with targets he could see 130 140 150 targets especially in the 17 game season and Jones is he has rushing upside as well people forget he is one of the top eight top six rushing quarterbacks in the league in terms of like how much he runs the ball We know he tripped on a long run once, but that doesn't change the fact that Daniel Jones is very mobile, which gives you a huge floor in fantasy football. He got smarter. He's going to cut down on the turnovers next year, and I am going to predict a Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs type of transformation for Daniel Jones and Kenny Galladay. I mean, maybe not predicted 100%, but I think it genuinely has that upside that Kenny Galladay can be the next Stephon Diggs, the guy who changed teams in the offseason, the star wide receiver who everyone faded is going to prove people wrong once again. Daniel Jones is going to be an absolute star next year. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm in total agreement. I love I love how much Calvin talks about Daniel Jones because I'm a Giants fan. He just makes me even more excited. But yeah, I definitely like Jones as well. All right. Do you want to go next or should I? 
Yeah, I'll go ahead and go. Uh, my next guy is um, Sam Darnold. This is just because he's got some renewed weapons and he's away from Adam Gase. We have to remember that he was still a top <laughs> five draft pick a few years ago. And uh, the Adam Gase plague, if that's what I'll call it, that uh, it's finally gone and it's finally been cured. He's got a much better system going there with uh, Joe Brady, the former LSU quarterbacks coach there to help him out. And uh, yeah, I'm just excited for this renewed offense. Christian McCaffrey, I love these check down options for QBs and these uh, running backs that can catch passes because McCaffrey's a guy that's going to be able to make plays and having that ability for Sam Darnold to just throw to him and let him go to work is going to help Darnold's numbers a lot. So I'm just excited. I think that he could kind of take that next step up because if he has the talent that they a lot of teams thought that he did when he went uh, top three, then I think that he could eventually end up being a top 12 fantasy QB. So definitely worth a snag in the late rounds. Yeah, and like I said, I'm going to say it again. Sam Darnold is practically free in fantasy drafts. I told you I was going to say that a lot. Um, in case you missed it, uh, he got traded to the Carolina Panthers, now has DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Christian McCaffrey to throw to. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, more weapons. And the biggest thing is not what he's added, but what he's lost, Adam Gase. Yes, the Adam Gase curse is gone. Well, I guess it's like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not gone because now as soon as he's gone, he's going to be a lot better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, but yeah, I, I like, I'm, I don't mind it. I don't like love Sam Darnold next year, but this guy I do. I would rather have this guy over Sam Darnold. Zach Wilson, baby. My quarterback won in terms of talent in the 2021 NFL draft class. Wilson's arm talent is elite. The way he throws the football, the way he just launches it with so little effort is invokes reminders of Patrick Mahomes, invokes reminders of Aaron Rodgers. And the real thing that reminds me of Mahomes is not only that, the fact that he can just put it accurately in his receiver's hands on the run, just effortlessly. Like he's like, when you watch him, it feels like a video game. When you just have like a video game with the dead eye ability, like Madden, when you have your quarterbacks with like dashing dead eye, lofting dead eye, like it basically feels like playing with Mahomes. And when you watch Mahomes, when you watch Zach Wilson, you see a lot of similarities in that way. I'm not saying Wilson's going to be the next Mahomes, although I do believe he has an insane ceiling in terms of NFL talent. Wilson still has a long way to go. He played at BYU. He didn't have the best schedule or the, the toughest schedule ever. He had a good offensive line that allowed him to have a lot of time in the pocket, but I'm not too worried. He looked very smart on the field. He was aware of the blitz when it came, although it didn't come that often. He's a good escape artist, not the fastest guy, but sort of Mahomes-esque in terms of being able to escape the rush. And again, his arm talent is just insane. Now he goes to the Jets, which I was a little bit worried about initially because the Jets didn't have that many receivers. They signed Corey Davis, who is more of a wide receiver two mold than a wide receiver one, kind of like Juju Smith-Schuster, which you guys have heard me talk about many times if you listen to the podcast. But then the Jets picked up one of Chris's absolute favorites from the draft, Elijah Moore. Second pick of the second round. They were shocked he even fell there, and he is an absolute stud as well. Mm-hmm. Great on slants, great on deep balls. His size is a concern, but, I mean, that just means he's going to be a slot receiver. He'll be Zach Wilson's wide receiver one. And, I mean, I guess I'll get into Elijah Moore. I mean, since he was my first wide receiver sleeper, he's not really going drafted in redraft leagues. Like, I'll look up his Fantasy Pros wide receiver ADP. I don't think it's in the top 60 or top 65. Um. As I look right now, where is he? Like, I, he's the wide receiver 74. He is free. Not even practically free. He is free. Get him in the last round of your fantasy draft. I think he could easily break out and get to ascend to wide receiver three, wide receiver two territory this year with Zach Wilson. Um, I mean, that budding duo I like even more in Dynasty because we've seen a lot of rookie times rookies struggle to perform in fantasy football, like right away. But in year two, 
They can be stars. Get these guys in dynasty leagues right now and get them in redraft too because they are practically free. Wilson is also free. He's outside of the uh, – I'll look up his ranking. I have him at my QB 21, so like a guy you can take right at the last round of your fantasy draft, but he is currently ranked as the quarterback 29. Incredible. He's behind a lot of guys who I don't think he should be. We know he's starting right away. And yeah, the Jets will have a chance to refresh finally with a new head coach. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So do you share my enthusiasm, Chris, for Zach Wilson? Maybe partly, moderately? Mm-hmm. For Zach Wilson and Elijah Moore. Yeah, I was super high on yes. Elijah Moore. And so I'm glad that they got him to help out uh, to help out Zach Wilson. And they also got Elijah Vera Tucker, which helps a lot in the draft. So really good draft by the Jets. I'm not as high on these guys as you are, Calvin, because I think that that chemistry is going to need to develop for one more year. I mean, there's a lot of turnover in this offense. They've got a new RB, new wide receivers, new a new quarterback, some new offensive linemen. So I'm going to give it two years, but these guys, especially in Dynasty, I'm super excited about. Sure. I mean, maybe you might have to wait a few weeks. Like I said, like at the beginning of the show, some of these guys have to wait a little bit. Might be rough at first, but it's worth it to hold on to them. They will break out, and I do think they will at least break out in some capacity in this, uh, in this season. But yeah, I mean... Zach Wilson, like you said, he got Elijah Vera Tucker at guard, who is now going to be help protect him in the um, passing game and the running game. And yeah, it should be good. So mm-hmm. let's move on to running backs. Do you want to start, Chris, with your first running back? Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Uh, that first running back is a guy that finished as RB9, weeks 9 through 16, JD McKissick. And I love Antonio Gibson next year, but I also love McKissick. And I think. He, that people are going to stay away from McKissick because they're going to be and that totally shouldn't happen. McKissick is going to fit into this special type of role where he's going to run a lot of slants. He's going to be almost primarily a pass catcher, and uh, especially in half PPR and PPR leagues, he's a total value. He's going to be a guy that, uh, especially if Gibson gets out, he can be a great villain, and even when he's not, he's still a flex option just because of the number of pass catches and opportunities he gets with the ball in his hands. So, uh, yeah, I'm definitely looking to grab him in my drafts. Uh, this is that late round guy when maybe it comes down to a Monday night football game or something where you know that you just need a few points or something to beat your opponent. JD McKissick is someone I totally trust because I know the work he's going to get and uh, he's going to get a few receptions. It might not be some massive amount, but I definitely know that he's going to be consistent. So I'm definitely looking for him. And I mean, there's definitely some room too. If something happens to Gibson, I think he's talented enough to be really good. So uh, lots of things to like about McKissick. I mean, I don't mind him that much as a handcuff, and his price is pretty cheap. I just don't really feel like he has that much upside. I think last year is about as good as you're ever going to see. I don't think he's going to match anywhere near that amount of targets again. For one, because they have a guy in Ryan Fitzpatrick who does not throw to the running back nearly as much. Washington led the league in targets to the running back last year. That's not happening again, especially with the addition of Curtis Samuel, with the addition of Adam Humphreys as well. With Antonio Gibson, you have a guy who resembles a mini Christian McCaffrey. And we've seen Ron Rivera with Christian McCaffrey willing to use him on an insane amount of snaps. Ron Rivera has said that he thinks Antonio Gibson fits that mold. He can take that step up to the workhorse level next year. And he, you saw it a little bit last year, but then he got injured. But Ron Rivera is ready to give Antonio Gibson that step up. He will re- remember Antonio Gibson played part wide receiver in college. He will get plenty of receptions. And that'll help Gibson more than McKissick because – while McKissick can play like a wide receiver, we know that he's a pass-catching running back primarily. Gibson is a better receiver 
than J.D. McKissick out of the backfield because he's just more explosive. He's the younger guy, more upside. And, I mean, if you play like a wide receiver, you might even get a quarterback like Ryan Fitzpatrick to throw to you because maybe he'll just think you're a wide receiver instead of a running back. So I I don't think – I think McKissick's going to be on the field less and less. He's just going to be worse at the end of the season, like at his worst at the end of the season, which isn't good when you're trying to push for a fantasy championship. So I'll – disagree with you here but we'll see what happens during the regular season mm-hmm. yep okay my first guy here is gus edwards my rb 33 i believe he's the rb 39 on fantasy pros interesting stat gus edwards has had at least 700 rushing yards in all three seasons of his career so far under that same coaching staff i expect to see that again whether it's been jk or mark ingram jk dobbins mark ingram is the lead back gus edwards has always been involved in this coaching staff likes to use a committee he's actually the rb41 on fantasy pros that's even lower i guess i was looking at standard but half ppr he's rb41 um but we know edwards will get some touches i feel like he could be more that jd mckissick role he'll get you a couple of games where he's like very very good in fantasy and he'll provide you with a few other usable weeks as well a guy that you can get like again at that rb41 price good handcuff for dobbins in case he goes down Gus edwards does fit better in the timeshare role he's not really meant to be like a lead back which is little unfortunate for his handcuff status, but he can get you some usable weeks. I had him, or did I have, why is my memory failing me? I believe I did have him. Oh yeah, I did on my fantasy team last year. It's very nice. And he gets, he's locked into 130, 140 carries next year. Like he always gets, I guess a little more because of the 17 game season. We'll say like he could get up to 150, 140, 150 carries. And he's a good player. I don't think I know Dobbins is good. Maybe Gus Edwards will see a slight drop in carries because they've got that new young guy there, new young talent. But, I mean, I think his floor is probably like 130. He's, he's going to be involved. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, yeah, he, unfortunately, yeah. he's not involved that much in the oh, passing game. A very consistent running back that we know is going to get some touches and uh, has yeah. been just very good over his years. So. And, I mean, I like him too. yeah, here, sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. I was going to say, I mean, he. the last thing I the, I forgot to mention is that because he's in a timeshare, he's also super efficient. I believe he's averaged at least five yards per carry in every season so far, which is very, very good. Yeah, I mean, he, he's averaged 5.2, 5.3, and five yards per carry. Gets some touchdowns near down at the goal line. And, um, yeah, he's very, again, very, very efficient, very, very good. Mm-hmm. And he's had yep. at least 133 carries in all of the seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's actually pretty amazing how consistent he's been. So your second guy, Chris, I, I can get behind this one a little more. It's sort of a deeper one. This Texans backfield is really ugly with David Johnson, Mark Ingram, and Rex Burkhead joining Philip Lindsay. But I understand why you have him as a sleeper. Yeah, I like Lindsay just because uh, he's shown some flashes of talent in Denver. So, I mean, I don't see why uh, he can't kind of step up in this backfield. And we know David Johnson's injury history if David Johnson doesn't get injured, then I'm not really that pound Philip Lindsay. But I think that Lindsay, given the shot with the David Johnson injury, could be really good. And we've seen David Johnson sadly struggle with injuries over the past year. So it's a very real possibility that he doesn't make it through a full season. Um, but yeah, I actually don't mind this Texans backfield. I think they're going to have to turn to the running game a lot. And uh, just because of the, of the lack of wide receivers, I mean, I think that, I don't know, it's going to actually be one of, I think it's going to but I think the running game is going to be a strength for the Houston Texans just because they have this great combination of deep running backs that can all do something different. So I think that'll be a bit of a strength and they'll turn to it a bit more than people are expecting. So, And then also in the passing game, Philip Lindsay has a lot of potential. So maybe he shifts into a role similar to what J.D. McKissick played for 
towards the end of last year, and that gives him some value also. So just an, an interesting guy that, I mean, there's a lot of different directions that this Houston Texans could go, team could go in terms of how they're going to use him, whether that's as a gadget, a receiver, or a uh, carry-heavy RB. I mean, they could go so many different routes, and that just makes him an intriguing option to pick up in the late rounds of draft. Late rounds of draft. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair. He has the talent. He had a 1,000-yard season his rookie year. Kind of had a James Robinson type of fall off where the Broncos got Melvin Gordon, which was unfortunate. But, I mean, I feel like he could be the RB1 there, even if David Johnson's healthy. I feel like he's talented enough to do that. Johnson's going to take the main passing game work because he's good at that. But Lindsey, I think he might be the best between the tackles runner, especially with Johnson at this stage of his career. So, yeah, I mean, I don't, I like the pick. Um, my next guy is Tevin Coleman. And did you guys know, or did you know Tevin Coleman was on the Jets, Chris? I didn't know until like for probably a few weeks ago that he was on the Jets, but he signed early mm-hmm. in the offseason. Nobody talked about it, which is very interesting. I mean, like this is, again, a guy who's practically free. Like he is free in your fantasy drafts. Uh, obviously, the Jets drafted Michael Carter, but when, you know where they drafted Michael Carter? In round four. And the history with round four, day three picks in fantasy has been very, very minimal in terms of any kind of production. Michael Carter slipped to the fourth round because he's just not the best running back. And in year one, I don't expect him to produce that much. We've seen Coleman produce in the starting role before. He struggled with injuries, struggled with different things, bounced around. But when you see Michael Carter at the RB40 and then see Tevin Coleman as, like, I'm not, I can't even find him. Did I scroll past him? Because I'm like in the hundreds and I still don't see him. I, I definitely must have scrolled past him. You see Tevin Coleman as the, oh, he's actually the RB52. So he actually is being ranked a little bit high, but even so, I still think that's a little bit low for him. He's he has the ability to be the RB one in that offense. I actually have him ranked a spot ahead of Carter because he's proven it. He actually can be explosive. We know he's played in the league a while. He's not the best player ever, but I think he can be the starter in this offense. And I've mentioned I like the Jets' offense. I like Zach Wilson more than the average human being by a lot. So I have Tevin Coleman more than as my the average RB. human being. I like that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I have Tevin, I have Michael Carter as my RB41, so around consensus, but I have Tevin Coleman as my RB40. So even when I saw him super high, I know I sounded surprised, but I still have him 12 spots higher than that. So this is still a genuine sleeper pick for me. Tevin Coleman is a guy that, I mean, at the RB52 spot, usually more wide receivers go than running backs. You can get him late in your draft, last couple rounds. So again, practically free. And yeah, he's, I like Zach Wilson more than the average human being. And Tevin Coleman's going to be good. I like that, Calvin. Is that your new new measurement? You're done with ADP. You're moving to AHB, average human being. Yeah, I'm not gonna. Be, I'm not gonna be like I like him more than his ADP. The average human, the average average Joe, doesn't like Zach Wilson as much as me. Yeah, so you're, you're in Calvin. New statistics. There's the AJ, the AHB, and then obviously ADP. You know, <laughs> the average, statistics. Average I mean, when you're being. choosing a fantasy player, make sure you're paying attention to the AJ and the AHB. That AHP or the AHB. Yeah, it's <laughs> so hard to me. say. Okay, yeah. yeah, but I like him more than the average human being. Dak Wilson, Tevin Coleman, and Elijah Moore. So, uh, Chris, I'm your last sure RB... the average human being probably basically knows nothing about him. But okay, anyways, the average I... fantasy Joe, the average oh, oh yeah, the AFJ. Okay, <laughs> the AFJ, JFK. What I don't I don't know. What I like I'm going to stick with the average human being. Mm-hmm. Okay. My third uh, RB sleeper is Tony Pollard, and this is just because he's shown a lot of flashes of talent. And I always say this, talent wins over. So that's, uh, that's, I mean, pretty much my biggest reason, you know. 
I just think that he has some talent and he's shown some promise, in, especially in the passing game. And I mean, every once in a while, the we saw the Cowboys kind of put him in for a full drive and let just just let him go to work, and he was able to do some good things. So uh, definitely worth a late round flyer. Um, yeah, I, I I agree. I guess I I don't like him more than the average human being, but. I mean, just because I like Zeke a lot, and Zeke has looked really, really good. I think Zeke's better at everything that Tony Pollard does, even though Tony Pollard's pretty good. And Pollard may get a few more touches because he shined in that limited role last year, but he's not like going to take over or anything. He wasn't that great as the main guy in that offense. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, he wasn't great as like when Zeke was out, like the number one. I mean, he actually had a good fantasy game, but it was he had a couple big runs. He wasn't really that efficient otherwise. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I guess I don't mind it though. My last guy is Chuba Hubbard. I don't really like him that much as a talent. It's just that he's currently the RB seventy two in fantasy pros, and he's Christian McCaffrey's only backup. And we've seen that Christian McCaffrey can get hurt, and we've seen that their Christian McCaffrey's backup can come out of nowhere and do well. Cough, cough. Mike Davis. So, uh, yeah, we can move on though to wide receiver. I already talked about Elijah Moore. So, Chris, why don't you start with your first wide receiver sleeper? Uh, yeah, my first wide receiver sleeper. It's going to be Gabriel Davis, and again, tons of flashes of talent last year from him. There's room now with the John Brown exit for someone to step up in this offense. Even though they signed Emmanuel Sanders, I think Gabriel Davis has the ability to beat him out. And so, I mean, just a lot of potential here. And, uh, I mean, this is an offense that has been thriving over the past few years. And they've got two old guys, Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders, coming in. And those are his two biggest competitions for those wide, for that wide receiver two spot. Um, I can definitely see him moving into a role as a solid outside receiver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's fair. I just I'm a little concerned about his fourth round draft capital. He didn't do much in his rookie year. They still have Cole Beasley, signed Emmanuel Sanders. So it's just like and fourth round wide receivers don't tend to do much. I don't mind it, I guess, but I feel like a lot of other people. This is a pretty popular sleeper pick because people like his film. So if film truly wins over, then sure, maybe Gabriel Davis will be really good next year, but. He's currently the wide receiver on Fantasy Pros. Oh, is he lower than I thought? Oh, he's the wide receiver 69. In that case, I actually like that. I thought he was like in the 50s. Uh-huh. So yeah, I don't mind that at that price. That's practically free. So I I would uh-huh. I could I might even say I like him more than the average human being. Yep. <laughs> all my all my buzzword phrases coming back. Uh-huh. My second guy, the guy who left Buffalo to become the wide receiver one in Vegas, John Brown. And John Brown is being ranked as the wide receiver 58 on Fantasy Pros. How does that make any sense? Wide receiver 58 and a half PPR, wide receiver one in his offense. And this isn't even that bad of an offense. He's going to be the, like, he's going to be easily second in targets behind Darren Waller. And we saw Nelson Aguilar produce in this role last year before he left for New England. Nelson Aguilar put up some numbers. He was actually productive for fantasy, a good streamable wide receiver. John Brown, though, is even better than Nelson Aguilar. He's a great deep threat, has better hands. He was hurt last year, so we kind of forgot about him, but he had a top 20 fantasy wide receiver season two years ago in Buffalo when he was the number one wide receiver. Now that he's out of Buffalo, he's in Las Vegas. He's got another great situation there. Um, And yeah, he's proven in that role that he can put up numbers. Guys ahead of him, McCole Hardman, Jalen Rager, Nelson Aguilar, how does this make any fathomable sense when Nelson Aguilar is in New England with John o. Smith and Hunter Henry and Kendrick Bourne and Cam Newton, who barely throws the ball, and then Jalen Rager and McCole Hardman, both of those guys, all those guys are ahead of John Brown? People are forgetting about this guy. I know he's old. He's like 32 years old, but he's a talented player. 
It's easy to forget. I understand, but he's practically free. He is practically free. I like him more than the average human being. He's the wide receiver one there. He has a guy like Waller to take the underneath targets, but I mean, he's not going to, this isn't a guy who's going to be doubled ever. He's never going to be doubled. And Derek Carr, not the greatest quarterback ever. Not too bad though. The Raiders are going to be behind a lot. They're going to have to throw the ball a lot. Derek Carr would, if nothing else can get completions. He can throw the ball accurately for the most part to John Brown and John Brown can make plays. He is a great sleeper. Get him at the end of your draft. This is a guy that you have to make sure to get because he can get you wide receiver three and maybe even borderline wide receiver two production. And you're just getting him practically for free. But Calvin, there is a ton of competition in this, on this Raiders team. Where? Henry Ruggs? <laughs> Bust! Calvin, he's still better Say than Brian John Brown. Edwards, I dare you. He's still better than John Brown. Hunter Renfro, too. <laughs> You think Henry Ruggs is a better ride receiver than John Brown at this moment? Yes. That is just so wrong. We need to record this. Um, I will write is this it gonna down. be another Troutman fight. Troutman, no, Calvin, you can Calvin record this and save it for the end of the season. Just put it in the bold takes as an added bonus, okay? Okay. You think ready? that John Brown is a better no, 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 ready? Ride ready, Calvin? Record it. Ready? <laughs> Tell me when you're ready for me to go. Um okay, wait, no, I I, I think just go, just go. <laughs> Okay, ready? I'm ready. John Brown. Okay, here we go. John Brown will finish behind Darren Waller, Henry Ruggs, okay, and no, Hunter okay. Renfo in this Raiders offense. Waller. Just and do the wide receivers. Say it again. Say it again. Say it again. John Brown will finish behind Darren Waller, Henry Ruggs, and Hunter Renfro in this Raiders offense in terms of fantasy points. <laughs> we have that on recording now. Oh, man, six months from now, we're going to be playing that bonus take. I'll probably have forgotten what it even was, and then we'll get to hear this. Thank you so much, Chris. Deep sleeper. Go get him. Go get him. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Mm -hmm. My third guy, guy, or my second guy for wide receiver is Darnell Mooney, and this is just because he showed some flashy talent. And uh, towards the second half of the season, when I expect Justin Fields to start to take over, um, I think that he could develop a real rapper with, Justin Fields that could not only go into the second half of this coming year, but also the the year after that. So um, really good dynasty buy, but uh, also really good this year. And he's going really late in drafts in the 50s. So uh, don't be afraid to pick him up and just throw a late round flyer at him because he's, he's shown some ability. Uh, he was one of the best players to perform uh, when, when he was covered by Jalen Ramsey. And so, I mean, you hear about that a lot on Twitter, but uh, – <laughs> I mean, I, I think Darnell Mooney has some potential. He, yeah, he's a good receiver. He's on the smaller side, and he does have some potential. If Justin Fields starts, that passing attack will be revamped and get better in my, unless Fields suffers against the Blitz and becomes a Jared Goff, which he might. But I think it'll become better. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, I like Darnell Mooney. I like that sleeper pick. But, mm-hmm. yeah, Chris, that's going to be so funny to listen to later. You forgot to mention Brian Edwards. Do you think Brian Edwards scores more fantasy points than John Brown? Mm. no oh my gosh i can't believe you have you even had to think about it this is ridiculous you're you're insane absolutely insane you really think henry ruggs and hunter well you already Come recorded on, it we don't need is. to rehash this we have this recorded and we will Come play on, this back later <laughs> this is oh my. i don't think i'm like insane calvin i think you are See, guys, this is what we meant when I said the episodes were going to, or when Chris said the episodes are going to get more exciting. (laughs) This is like a whole new level. Oh, my goodness. Calvin, let me look at 
Yeah, I, I'm sure Henry Ruggs is ranked higher. I'm sure of it. You're, no, he's not. He's not. He's two spots behind. Yes, he's ranked higher. No, half PPR. He's ranked two spots behind. Hunter Renfro is the wide receiver 84. Henry Ruggs is the wide receiver 60. John Brown is the wide receiver 58. And I think John Brown is massively undervalued. Hot take no. city. That's what that was. Well, and you'll Hunter hear about it finish better, at the so. end of yeah. the season. All right. Oh, man, that is going to be the funniest episode of all risk. time. I cannot wait. John for Brown episode. has injury risk also, Calvin. That's good. Yeah, I got it. I don't care. If he gets hurt, I'll probably make a lame excuse, but I don't even think – like, I'm not even – considering the injury risk, I still believe that John Brown – I mean, this isn't recorded, but I'll, I'll, I'll be honest about it. Like, considering the injury risk, I know I said – I mentioned in my rant that he got hurt. Like, I, I'm, I'm well aware of it. I'm not going to say, well, he got hurt, so it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll take the blame for this take if he actually finishes behind Henry Ruggs and Hunter Renfro in fantasy points. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. My third wide receiver is Michael Pittman, and uh, not much explaining to do. He's just great. That's it. I'm just kidding. But, obviously, uh, <laughs> I really like Michael Pittman going into next year. Uh, I mean, he's got a ton of talent, and he showed that in flashes last year. And now they've got a new quarterback, and I think that Carson Wentz could really latch on to Michael Pittman and uh, kind of – I think that Michael Pittman will be his number one target. Um, and Jonathan Taylor is going to open things up for this entire Colts offense. They've also got T.Y. Hilton. And so, I mean, there's a lot of targets to be had here. Other than Michael Pittman and T.Y. Hilton, there aren't that many guys that should really be getting a ton of targets in this offense. And so – I think that Carson Wentz is going to really rely on Michael Pittman, and he's Michael Pittman is going to step up and be that number one guy. Uh, he's someone I am definitely grabbing in my Scott Fishbowl draft. I wrote it down on my list, and uh, I'm going to also be grabbing in redraft a lot. Okay, I mean, I just didn't, I don't think he showed that much, but I don't mind it. He's super super cheap. I mean, pra- who else practically is going to be the number free, one in that offense. Practically free, and you like him more than the average human being. So who's, right. who's going to be the number one in that offense? Ty. Oh, Michael Pittman's actually he's actually not practically free. The wide receiver 49. So actually. I don't, I'm not really going after him at that price. I guess I don't hate it. Guys behind him, Mike Williams, Jalen Waddle, T.Y. Hilton. Uh, I would probably rather have Hilton. Actually, I don't know. Maybe they're about the same. So I actually don't mind that price. I don't mind the pick, but I'm not like all I mean, you've got a either. young guy with a ton of potential with a new quarterback coming in. I think there's a lot of room for him to just totally like blow up with Carson Wentz throwing to him. I'm actually, I'm going to probably have him around have him around wide receiver 30. Whoa, wait, we need to do this. This next bold takes next week when we do the Mm -hmm. bust episode, you're going to put that down. Michael Pittman will be a top 30 wide receiver. This is going to be so funny at the end of the year. I really, I can't wait. I cannot wait for this episode. Like I love the fantasy season. I never want it to end, but like, this is like, I'm not, I'm not even joking here. Like this is genuinely like in this moment, I want the fantasy season to end so that we can play back these bold Mm -hmm. takes. I want it to end so bad. I don't know why I feel so strongly about this. I love proving. I guess I just love proving Chris wrong. I mean, at the end of the season, what are we going to do? I guess we're just going to do our accuracy ranking. Like we're going to rank ourselves in accuracy and then just probably do this. This is going to take a long time to play all of these takes. It's probably the whole show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Maybe we'll split it up into two shows or something, do some awards in the other kind of show. All right. My, my last sleeper wide receiver, Marvin Jones Jr., I was surprised at how low he was ranked. The wide receiver 48 on fantasy pros. I'd rather have him than over guys like Michael Gallup and LaVisca Chenault or not LaVisca. Maybe not, maybe not LaVisca, but actually maybe LaVisca. I'd rather have him over LaVisca, Hollywood guys like that. And Marvin Jones, when Kenny Galladay was out, 
with Matthew Stafford, we saw Marvin Jones really step up to the plate and actually do well in the wide receiver one role. So this is not unheard of for him. He's like 30 years old, so maybe a little past his prime, but he still played at a high level last year. And Trevor Lawrence should be a consistently solid quarterback in year one, looking for consistently solid targets. LaVisca Chenault, talented but unproven. DJ Chark, um, I mean, there's his own coach kind of talked him down. And after his breakout early in 2019, he was kind of quiet. I feel like Marvin Jones is the better complete receiver. He's better than both of them. He'll be the wide receiver, the number one target in this offense overall. They signed him for a reason. It was a really good signing for this team. And I feel like people just kind of forgot about Marvin Jones, but he's got a lot of potential. He could leap up and just exceed his ADP by at least double digits. Like he could be like a... 30 guy in the 30s maybe even high 20s maybe even back in wide receiver too just considering injuries in terms of his fantasy finish i really like him as a sleeper mm-hmm. yeah uh, okay i'm kind of middle of the pack on marvin jones i think he has some potential but uh, i think he's kind of held up by dj Chark and visca because i accept expect those two guys to take some steps up and uh i don't know if, i mean I don't know. It's just, I guess he's a good sleeper because he could be the number one and I like Trevor Lawrence, but I'm not, I don't have that much confidence in him to be the number one guy. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I just don't, I guess see, I know you like Visca, but I just feel like that co- the confidence should be warranted, but we can move on to tight end though. Um, mm-hmm. Let's get to these guys before we do two minute drill. My first tight end uh, is Jared Cook, who just signed with the LA Chargers. I feel like he could fill kind of a Hunter Henry role for that team, practically free in fantasy football drafts right now in terms of ADP. And we saw him perform on the Saints last year. He's got a good quarterback again in Justin Herbert at the tight end 21 price. I'll take him over easily over a guy like Austin Hooper, uh, probably over a guy like Cole Komet, who's actually ironically my second sleeper, but I like Hooper, uh, Jerry Cook more. Um, maybe even over guys like Janu and Hunter Henry, might even consider that maybe even Blake Jarwin those are close like Jared Cook has some potential I know he's old but he still can catch some passes and who else is Herbert going to throw to other than Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler like this is going to be a pass first offense Mike <laughs> right <laughs> funny throw to him some yeah like 20 times maybe I mean, more than he throws to Jared Cook <laughs> just kidding uh okay I'm not I'm not going to start a whole fight about that because I actually that that's very possible but I still think Jared Cook will have a good amount of targets Mm-hmm. Yeah, my first guy is He'll Gerald Everett, star. and uh, this is really a big talent thing. And he's going, and also he's going to a great situation. I mean, I think that Russell Wilson will be happy to find a good tight end. And we saw what Wilson did in this Seahawks offense when Will Dissey was performing really well. I mean, he was having a breakout year before he really had that freak injury, and just and it was really sad to see that because he was on pace to have a great season. But uh, I think that Gerald Everett could kind of scoop in that kind of production off and be a quiet like top 12 guy because he's really talented i mean he was one of the more coveted uh free agent tight ends this year behind Peter henry and uh and uh john smith so i think that he's sneakily that guy that that uh got to the seahawks and he's in a really good situation he's shown a lot of promise before and he got a pretty large contract i think he, what was it like one year seven million something like that i think uh maybe like six million i mean that's, or something, that's a pretty big contract yeah. for a guy that's that hasn't done much in his career they've they've seen a lot in him a one-year six million dollar contract so i don't know i'm excited about him i think he's shown a lot of talent and there's a lot of room to take over this role and we've seen what russell wilson liked to do when he's had tight ends well this mm-hmm. so 
Yeah, I mean, you, you it, it's easy to forget because they've had a lot of tight ends. Like, he threw to Greg Olson, Will Disley, Jacob Hollister. Those guys always had uh, production. Yeah, $6 million contract, including a four mil signing bonus. And it's all guaranteed, though. Fully guaranteed $6 million. So, that's long. Yeah, I don't mind it. I think, I mean, yeah, it's I guess it, the underneath targets can be pretty safe, even though Wilson may not throw the ball as much this year. So, yeah. It's fine with me. I actually am warming on that pick more and more as we go through the offseason. Mm-hmm. Last guy is Cole Komet. This, I don't really have a great second tight end sleeper. I'm not as high on Komet as some people are. He was a second-round pick, second-round tight ends. Like, tight ends outside of the first round don't work out that much for fantasy, to be completely honest. They still have Jimmy Graham over there. If Justin Fields plays, there's a little more upside. But we know Andy Dalton's going to at least start the um, the first week or the first bit of the season. Matt Nagy was adamant about that. So, yeah, Komet, uh, he's he's all right. You you can go take a flyer on him, but I don't like love him next year. I don't. I just don't have like an amazing tight end, second tight end sleeper. But he qualifies. I I like him okay. Mm-hmm. Yep, um, I I'm in agreement with you here. He's just another big potential piece. So yeah. And then my last guy's Adam Truman. Uh, please go to our last episode if you want to hear us discuss him a little bit more. But was it the last one? I thought it was the. Uh, it was. Before the off-season moves recap, I thought, like, wasn't it the, um, it was the sure things and risky players. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was that one. The end of sure things and risky players. Yeah, go, go check out the end of that episode if you want to hear us debate about him a little bit more. But, uh, yeah, I, Adam Trautman is a guy that's going to into a newfound tight end one role. And I don't understand why you're so against him, Calvin, because you just talked about why, why Jerry Cook could be so no, great. We, I, mean, I wasn't against him. I'm just saying, I was saying how he could be a risky player. I don't, I'm not even that against Adam Troutman. It just turned into me being against him somehow. When I, mm-hmm. I just think he has a lot of risk involved. But I don't so think do, so does, though, because mostly. there's no other tight ends in this offense. And we've seen Sean Payton continue to factor in tight ends in the red zone. And Adam Troutman is one of the best red zone tight ends we've seen. He's going to catch some touchdowns. And so, I mean, and he's also the, the number one guy there. He's a good run blocker, so he's going to be out in the field, and they're going to run a lot of play action. So, I mean, I don't see why – I don't see why Troutman can't be a, a, a top 12 tight end. I mean, it was pretty funny. Like, I was listening – this is, like, about Adam Troutman. I was listening to fantasy footballers this week. On one of their episodes, like, it was – they had, like, the exact same conversation that we had about Adam Troutman where it was, like, you – someone – one of them mentioned he's the number one run-blocking tight end. Another one said – or it was, like, Andy said, do you get points from run-blocking when you're just – you don't get fantasy points from run-blocking. But, like, yeah, I mean, that, that was sort of – that was pretty much the discussion that we had had as well as that I was just saying he was really risky and had no floor – it was pretty interesting. So just so you know, we published it first and they ripped us off. Listen to our podcast and publish that because they don't get any original content. Mm-hmm. Just kidding. They're like my absolute favorite fantasy football podcast. That, that, the late round podcast, Harris fantasy football podcast, and like fantasy pros podcast. Those are the ones I love, except I love ours even more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. So yeah, I guess but we know we know. Okay, Adam back to that conversation we had at the beginning of the show about how we always this is how we talk about our show. We're like, oh yeah, yeah. We're I mean we're just as famous. The fantasy pros, fantasy footballers stole our ideas. Yeah, this is kind of what we do. Kind of funny, but mm-hmm. yeah, no. I mean their podcast is great though. Even though they made fun of me on their comedy show one time, it's still great. Uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, that was go, go check it out. If you can, if you listen to that episode, though, I mean, this is episode 75. We can get a little reminiscent. If you listen to that episode where we talked about that, you are a true original listener to the podcast. Mm-hmm. 
All right. That's about it. Let's just do two-minute drill real quick. I got a two-minute timer up here. We're each going to get one minute. It doesn't necessarily – I guess I guess we decided it doesn't necessarily have to be a debate. We're just going to sort of talk about the player and what we think. We're going to talk about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire for two minutes. So, Chris, do you want to start for the first minute, and then I'll go after you? Yeah, sure. Okay, I'm going to start the timer in three, two, one, go. Okay, so first I'll start with uh... – why I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire struggled a little bit last year. And I think that that's just because, I mean, they brought in Le'Veon Bell for some competition. And I just don't think that he was seeing the touches that I think he needed to see. I think this year this team is going to have a little bit more confidence in him. And I think that he's going to be able to take that step up. He should be more involved in the passing game. Um, There's definitely a gaping hole in carries and targets that Le'Veon Bell left. And I don't think that Daryl Williams is talented enough to scoop that up. Um, They drafted CH in the first round for a reason. So, I think they, they're they still going to believe in his talent. And if he is as talented as people were thinking when they were drafting him as high as nine last year, I think he should come back and have a big season. People are underrating him a little bit just because of not meeting expectations last year. But I think that this is the year where you should be expecting a big jump. I mean, we saw a lot of the first-round rookies Ten last seconds. year, like DeAndre Swift and Cam Akers, not make their big moves until the end of the year. And I think we saw Clyde over today have one big game towards the end of the year. Um it's this second year where Arby's really start to turn it on and when they start to be become, they start to become really involved right. in their offense. And so I expect that sort of transformation from CEH and that makes him uh, exciting in my opinion. So he's right. a player that I'm not yep, yep, yep. extremely high on just because I feel like his, there's a lot of other mouths to feed in this offense, but uh, I definitely think he has a lot of potential. And so uh, I'm <laughs> this reminds me of PTI when they keep talking like way after the timer has gone off. I have like 35 <laughs> seconds, but yeah, I mean, I agree with most of what you said. I'm not like necessarily going after CEH in drafts. I have him a little lower than the consensus probably is the RB 15 on fantasy pros probably be a little lower. Cause I like a bunch of RBs as breakouts or more safe options ahead of him. But yeah, I think he might step into more of that three down role next year, get a little few more receptions. The chief's offense is never going to have a high volume of running back carries. Now that he's the only, guy there again has a year of experience under his belt he'll probably be trusted a little bit more they'll run a little bit more on second downs and give it to him a little bit more on third downs we got five seconds left i'm not going to talk over my timer this time um so yeah that's about it okay (laughs) you want to roll the credits i feel like that's something we haven't said in a minute yeah i guess so um i mean yeah, if you have questions about fantasy football, you can contact us on Twitter at SGF Pod. Send them there for the podcast. Tag us at Calvin underscore SGF, at Chris underscore SGF. If you just want us to answer them on Twitter, um, email us secondandgoalfantasy at gmail.com with questions. Head to sites.google.com slash view slash secondandgoalfantasy for our rankings um, for the podcast. I actually, don't do that for our rankings. Our rankings aren't updated. Look at our rookie profiles. Our rankings will be up soon. We are working on them, working hard. It was fun to have episode 75. Make sure to check out Second and Goal Sports Talk on YouTube. We want to get to 100 subscribers for that so we can have our own custom channel URL. You've heard that speech before. Um, we kind of hit a lull in subscribers. Haven't gotten a new one in a while, so we kind of need one. So, yeah, go check that out. Email us, talk at gmail.com. Follow at SG Sports Talk on Twitter. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'd say that's about it. Thank you guys for sticking with us. I mean, we've 75. been here. 75 episodes. Yeah, it really is incredible. And, uh, Hopefully you enjoy, guys. On our way to 100 and beyond. Right, Calvin? Yeah, I mean, it's incredible how our rise has been. Like, by episode 20, we were already, like, the best fantasy football podcast out there. And, like, in terms of downloads, (laughs) in terms of engagement, in terms of analysis, just in terms of every single metric you could possibly imagine. We're we're best in every single metric except being humble, so. Yeah, Yeah, no, no, we're we're best in that, too. 
uh, after what you just said, Calvin, I'm not 100% sure. No, 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 sorry. You're wrong. Mm-hmm. We're, we're just the best okay. at everything. Okay, thanks for listening to our astute fantasy advice. First 75 whole episodes. Yeah, I'm getting a little sentimental. Can't wait. We're going to do more bold takes next week. We'll probably do some more two-minute drill. <laughs> I wonder if anyone – like, we didn't get reached out. We didn't get, like – no one reached out to us about that. I wonder if anyone was just like – if you're listening and you heard about that segment a few months ago, you were probably super confused when it never came back. But I genuinely, like, didn't remember we had ever done it. I just forgot. Yeah, me either. <laughs> okay. Thanks for listening. Here's to 75 more episodes and getting to episode 100 and beyond and forever. Oh, and yeah, more fantasy advice to come. Thanks for listening Mm -hmm. and we'll see you next time.